Welcome to another episode of Sunday Strays, a house sitter's tales. After a two-month house sit, I feel like the Mari Kondo of travel packing. All the kitchen stuff has been sorted, my clothing repacked into the new duffel bags, which will also be going offshore at Easter, and this week is a break for me, visiting friends old and new. I read a news item about caravanning last week and about the number of inexperienced towers on the roads, a legacy of all those lockdowns when we were stuck in one place. The caravan experts said, we expect to have everything that you'd have in a stationary house at our fingertips in a caravan. I thought I travelled fairly lightly, but seeing what I have to pack now as a house sitter, even then how much I've cut back again and again, and we'll do so again before the West Coast road trip. I think, yes, his comments are valid, and I believe strongly cluttered space, cluttered mind. It's hard to think clearly with all that material stuff filling up our lives. But this week's episode is not so much about stuff or the packing that has occupied my time. It's actually going to be about cats, mostly. Not one cat in particular, but a few felines I have cared for and have captured my heart. There's no way I can get all my crazy cat stories into one episode, but here's a taster, some of the finer moments from my feline house-sitting follies. Now, I like animals, all kinds. Fur, feathers, domestic, working or downright lazy, but have a strong affinity with cats There's a reason they're the number one pet and most popular animal on the internet. And as a house sitter, cats are extremely low maintenance. Food, water, pets, or not. Not all felines want to snuggle up. Though I'm happy to have a cat on my lap or the bed. Some have litter boxes, some do not. Some like treats, some stick to their diet. I make it a policy as a foster mum for pets to feed what the owner tells me to feed. That often includes treats. And if you're wondering, the owners leave the food or cash for top-ups. Same goes for vet bills. If the owner is holidaying in-country, they will call and pay the bill after I take the animal to the vet. Having said cats are easy to look after, occasionally they do play up. I was house-sitting for a few weeks in a beautiful part of South Australia. Just a couple of mature, and when it comes to cats, I use the term mature lightly, cats to care for. Both would take it in turns to sit on my lap when I was on the couch watching TV or solving a crossword. It was amazing country, and the property backed onto vineyards. A popular bike path snaked through towering pine trees with grapevines on either side of the track, 
The path led to the ocean in both directions, and I rode my mountain bike both ways on different days, stopping to look around little villages and log geocaches on the route. The cats had the usual sometimes we get along, sometimes we don't attitude that cats have. They both liked me and put up with each other. They had a cat door that led into an outdoor enclosure and garden. The door was in my bedroom. So I often woke up to a cat staring me in the face. The homeowner had a cleaner and she came one day while I was out. I came back to the house and the cleaner had shut one cat into part of the house with the cat door and the other cat into the main living kitchen area with no food, water or toilet. I figured there had been a fight and the cleaner wasn't having any of it. The female cat was pitch black and fluffy. She was the more timid of the pair. I learned very fast to turn on lights before entering a room at night. More than once I went flying. As anyone who lives with cats knows, they will not move. If a cat is sitting and you enter the room or want to close a door or is on the bed and you want to roll over, that cat will set like concrete. And believe me, it's deliberate. So please don't think, poor cat, she tripped over it in the dark. The cat knew I was there long before I went splat on the floor. The afternoon before I left, I'd been tidying up, packing up my things, and could hear Badger, the male cat, meowing. It sounded a bit muffled. I thought maybe I'd shut him in a room or a cupboard. Checked the kitchen pantry, ran from room to room. Wherever I went in the house, it sounded like he was elsewhere. Panicked, I went outside, thinking he must be stuck somewhere. And now he sounded clearer. I stepped back and there he was, on the roof, managing to look both innocent and peeved. I went around the other side of the house where the cat enclosure is. My take was that he'd got up the side of the enclosure, onto the neighbour's garage roof and jumped up. Now he was trying to tell me he couldn't get back down. Cat people, but not me, will tell you, if he can get up, he can get down. That's not always true. Animals mostly learn species-specific behaviour from their parent. I had a cat that could run up a tree, but she didn't understand she had to get a good grip and come down backwards but first. If it was a small tree, she'd hurtle down face first. A larger tree? No way I can get down. So I gave Badger the benefit of doubt and didn't assume he could get off the roof. That meant I had to go up, which I wasn't going to do, or find another way to get him down. Meanwhile, my final afternoon at the property, a synchronised dance of packing, cleaning, relaxing, figuring out what to have to dinner, without messing up the nice clean kitchen, writing up handover notes, was slipping away. But the cat's welfare was my main priority, and that's always how it is. The pet comes first. The homeowner is less bothered by a speck of dust than the welfare of their ball of fluff. I'll illustrate that point more acutely a bit further down the track. Anyway, back to Badger, still stuck on the roof. 
This homeowner also had a gardener and there was a wooden plank lying in the dirt. I propped it against the cat enclosure, which was lower than the roof guttering, and held the other end at my shoulder height and tried to coax Badger to walk the plank. He looked at me in horror. Yeah, right, like I'm going to do that. I gave up. Having taunted me for half an hour, Badger then sauntered over to the cat enclosure along the top and hopped onto the neighbour's garage. Then when I offered to pluck him off the fence, he ducked past me and nimbly jumped to the ground. Ah, all's well that ends well. I shut him inside the house. I have regular clients whom I know fairly well. They all have cats. And there's also an elderly border collie. One of the cats, a younger female, loves to get up close and personal with the dog. She'll get as close as she can to the old dog, who just wants to sleep in peace. Then she'll touch the dog. Sometimes it's just a tap or a nuzzle. But if I'm not already watching this exchange unfold, we'll hear a yip. Then a minute later, another yip. It's the doggy way of saying, leave me the heck alone. This cat is a tabby, and I'm really fond of tabbies. They seem to be closer to nature and love a cuddle. Sadly, this tabby girl's torty companion went over the Rainbow Bridge late last year, an unexpected illness. The torty was queen of the scene, the top cat, and the tabby looked up to her. In fact, this torty was so smart we'd sit and do crosswords together. She really liked it when I was knitting. A paw would reach out and rest on the ball of yarn. Just looking, she'd say. You can go and make a cup of tea. I won't unravel your wool. The tabby had to wait her turn to sit on my lap or jump up on the bed. I was devastated when I got the news the tortie was ill, not just for the owners and personally, who lost a much-loved family member, but for the younger tabby cat, confused as she was by the change in behaviour, then complete disappearance of her feline mentor. The tortie loved to be pushed around the large property in a baby stroller. I was privileged to be able to do that with her mum during her final days on this earth. Animals are sentient beings and innocents, and as domestic pets tend to conform to our needs, I do believe they go to a better place, free of pain, and that our cats are still watching us, criticising everything we do. I've now lost four darling pets, two cats, a dog and a horse, animals I met as their house sitter and carer. I can't imagine how awful it must have been for the house sitters who were on the property when the horse went down. I got a text from the owner early the next morning. The horse's sudden death was heartbreaking. It was a potential snake bite, though I'm not sure that was ever confirmed. When an elderly cat I'd looked after previously refused to eat for the neighbour, I received a desperate call one evening. Luckily, even though I was on the couch with a glass of wine, I hadn't had more than a few sips. There was a two-day overlap between my house sits, both regulars and only 40 minutes apart. I threw on clothes and drove over to the other property. 
The old frail cat was lying on his favourite chair. He didn't seem to be distressed. The stale food in his bowl was smelly and crawling with ants. Actually, the trail of ants went across the hard flooring and into the laundry. I cleaned up and threw out the stinky cat food, topped up the bowl with fresh food, mixed in a bit of fishy treat that I'd thrown into my bag before driving over. The owners had told me he was eating less. They were sometimes hand-feeding him. I found that the fishy treat worked a treat. He lapped it up. I made the drive once a day, then later in the week moved between house sits. I bought more fishy treats and mixed them into Harry's food. The neighbour was going through a house sale for a divorce and didn't have time to duck over to clean out the food bowl. His only mistake was Harry no longer had the stomach for food that wasn't really, really fresh and tasty. I also had to weigh Harry regularly during that house sit to make sure he didn't lose too much condition. And he did put on a little weight over a few weeks. Sadly, he went over the Rainbow Bridge a few months later. The owners adopted a senior tabby girl a bit down the track. She'd been badly neglected and had severe ear infections, now treated and can hear perfectly well. Just little bald patches behind her ears, where the hair didn't grow back. I was told by her owners she may be shy and standoffish, but she and I took to each other really well. All of the pets and other animals I've cared for have been so loved and really well treated. If I ever came across a neglectful pet owner, it would be the last time I stepped foot on the property. During a rural house sit with a co-sitter last spring, we were driving back to the property one afternoon. I was behind the driver's wheel and spotted a horse in a paddock close to the fence line. We doubled back when it was safe to do so. The horse's head was hanging low. He wasn't moving and didn't respond to my clucking or show any interest in us at all as we stood on the other side of the fence. And there were remnants of blue mesh fabric stuck to his head and withers. That's the hump that sticks up at the base of a horse's neck or at the front of a saddle when riding. The horse was sagging skin on bones. We took photos, made a note of landmarks and where we were. And I contacted the RSPCA back at the house. The inspector said the horse may need to be removed and undergo rehabilitation and refeeding. They went out to the property immediately and spoke to the landowner. Seems there were many horses, but we only saw the one alone in that paddock. Animal inspectors don't always follow up with people making a report of abuse or neglect. We were lucky in that we did receive a phone call. The horse was elderly and unlikely to respond well to being floated off the property for rehabilitation. The owner agreed to have him euthanised. Sad, however, I think we did the right thing. The poor old boy is now free of pain. That happened during my third or maybe fourth, I've lost track, house sit on a 10-acre property two hours west of Brisbane. It's one of my favourite places to be with one snowshoe cat named Daisy, and we know each other well. 
I'm acutely aware that when Daisy is out in the garden or follows me down to the greenhouse, there may be snakes in the grass or other predators. Daisy is the only animal on that property, apart from native wildlife, but she mostly sleeps all day as it's cooler in the house and she's one of the laziest cats I know and most cats are lazy. I was down below the house sitting on the gravel near the back of the car, one of the mountain bike's wheels in my lap, doing a running repair. I had a few bicycle tools at hand, but nothing that could have protected me. I sensed rather than heard something close by. Sitting cross-legged in the dirt, I glanced up. There was a dog a few metres in front of me, near the bird feeding tree. As I looked directly at it, it bared its teeth and snarled. You have to imagine how vulnerable I felt. My mind running a million miles trying to figure out what to do. I kept a machete in the car boot. It's only two metres away. I have a screwdriver next to me. I'm holding a bicycle wheel. It could be used as a shield. The dog turned and padded up into the house garden. I was on my feet in a flash, running up the stairs into the house. Daisy was asleep on a chair. Then I ran back out onto the deck. The dog disappeared around the back of the house. I ran around to the back deck. There's a track that runs to the far fence line past the top rainwater tanks. The dog was trotting in that direction. I went back out the front over to the side fence and called over the neighbour. His dogs were with him. As initially, I had thought it was one of his animals. He came over and we walked the top track together. The dog had gone back to wherever it came from. I texted my homeowners. They were pretty sure they knew the dog's owners and said they would follow up. It was known to escape and visit neighbouring properties. I was hyper-vigilant after that incident. And about two months later, I got a message from that homeowner with a description of a dog. It had been back on their property. Unfortunately, in rural areas, stray animals can be a problem. There's something else I need to share with you today. Fact. My non-fiction manuscript needs more work. An essential part of that process, which is familiar to all writers, is exposing our words to other re writers and readers. I've enrolled in a feedback workshop that will take me through to mid-June and by then we'll be on the road to the West Coast. I want to get this book finished and throw it at a publisher and exposing it to the tutor, an award-winning writer and other scribes, my peers, is an important part of the process. So, this podcast is moving to alternate Thursdays, so once a fortnight. I hope you'll continue to follow me as I have lots more adventures to share on my house-sitting journey and there's more fun to come. This week, I'll leave you with a quote by Englishman Neil Garman, best-selling author and screenwriter. This resonates with me and can be applied to most aspects of our lives. If someone is so insecure they cannot tolerate any feedback, that should be a warning. 
Neil says, Remember, when people tell you something's wrong or doesn't work for them, they are almost always right. When they tell you exactly what they think and how to fix it, they are almost always wrong. We should all expect honesty and fair dealing on our human journey. If you enjoyed listening to my ramblings, please hit the follow button. It will help you find future episodes. My content will now be released every two weeks on Thursday afternoons at 2pm in quick bites of roughly 20 minutes. Occasionally there may be bonus content on a specific topic or discussions with other homeowners or house sitters. And you can listen to episodes in any order. These are my stories and experiences. So, if you're a fellow traveller, a virtual traveller, or merely curious about different lifestyles, again, thank you for listening. See you on Alternate Thursdays. The next episode will be released on 8 February. And happy trails wherever you may stray.